Yo, what's going on, everybody? Yeah, man, you lot can relax now. I'm back. I know it's been a while, but chill. I know the demand for this has been not high at all, but hey, I don't care. I'm back, and I've got a few good episodes coming up for you, man. But first of all, I want to give a shout-out to a couple of people. Actually, not to one person. I want to give a shout-out to Kevin Karma for having me on his podcast called Karma and Improv Comedy. Uh, if you can check that out on any of the platforms like iTunes, Anchor FM, Podbean, whatever, it's a very, very funny podcast. It's an improvised, like, sort of a sitcom. It's great and i get to do a little bit of voice work on that that was good fun and hopefully we'll be doing some stuff later on in the future um comedy dates you can come see me well most importantly you know where you can see me and duffy connors and charlene Jahan at dropkick murphy's bar in edinburgh from the 1st of august to the 25th of august as the tick boxes get yourselves down there on the month of August, guys. Just do it. Even if you don't come see us, like you have so many other comics there. It'll be just such a great atmosphere. Just get yourself to Edinburgh in August. Just do it. Um, so, comedy dates, you can come see me. Um, on May 1st, I'm at a comedy cabin in Hoxton. Uh, May 2nd, I'm at Up the Creek, uh, which is the Blackout, which is a gong show, my first ever gong show. Ooh. Um, May 3rd, I'm at Way Out West at the Griffin Pub in Brentford. Um, May 7th, I'm at Monty's Bar, which is a great night. In, um, I'm MCing Healing Comedy on the 9th of May. On the 30th of May, I'm at Nice and Spiky at the Regent's Pub in Islington. On the 21st, I'm doing Healing Comedy's 21st motherfucking birthday. Yes! Um, 27th, I'm at Amisham Arms Comedy. On the 29th of May, I'm at the Comedy Balloon in Manchester. That's right, Manchester. And um, on May 30th, I'm at Healing Comedy as an MC. Yeah, man, shit, I've got a packed month this month. Jesus. I need... I'm going to have some... had to take some fucking vitamins or some shit. Anyway, um, on this episode, I have a good friend of mine on the comedy circuit. Um, his name is Mark Birkwood. Um, he is fantastically funny comedian and we have such a great conversation touching on all sorts of things including but not limited to our different opinions on the sitcom mrs brown's boys so please give it up for mr mark burkwood So we got the Colombian character roast. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think I've had this before. I've never had it. It's a Yeah, it's actually, yeah, it's got quite a nice flavour to it. Um, oh, you're a coffee man. Yeah, I love coffee. Well, the thing is, I stopped drinking coffee for a while. It's really bad for my anxiety, my yeah. anxiety and stuff. But I've got back into it again because... Because you work at a school. Yeah, A, I work in the school, and B, that's when I'm most productive, because like, I've been doing a lot of stuff, because I've been doing comedy workshops, so yeah. I've been planning those, so oh. I've been typing those up, and coffee's the best thing when you're just trying to type and write your stuff. So, what do you do for your comedy workshops? Uh, well, so, well, I did I, I did my first one on Monday, uh, and I was at the charity called the Autism Hub in Eastwater, for a load of autistic adults that yeah. want to get into comedy. We did some improv games in the first half, just to get us used to performing, and then we did some joke writing techniques, um, you know, just they wrote notes and some of them got up at the end and some jokes and it was really good. It yeah. was, uh, 
Yeah. I saw you did that night for the autistic, for the autism hub. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How yeah, did it go? Yeah, that was the first time I've ever seen. Oh shit! Night. What so, the hell? Yeah, it's amazing, yeah. isn't it's, it? It's, it's a great feeling. It's a great feeling because the press is off you and. But also as well, it's quite challenging having to write, okay, I need to think of a gag for this, and you're right, because you're writing when you're off stage, you're trying to, you know, think of one or two gags, but obviously if an act's gone well, you just get the next one, and it's really interesting trying to read the It's a really weird thing, man, because you've got to, if an act's done badly, right, you've got to be the one to bring the audience up. However, if an act has done really well, you've got to be the one to yeah. level it out as well because if you know that there's a high energy act that a high energy act's just gone on right and the next act you know is quite low energy you've got to be kind of the me yeah. you've got to be the kind of mediator and yeah. that's i think that's probably the most fun thing to do to oh be it honest. is because I, I, I didn't know how i was going to handle it but a lot of people said afterwards it's like you've done that before so it's kind of like I really enjoyed it so yeah. I want to do more stuff like that but it's just it's just what I'm doing at the moment I'm just trying to build on fives just trying to get more seven and ten minutes yeah. so that's where I'm at at the moment I'm trying to transition from that five to obviously I'll still be doing the fives yeah. but at venues I do well at like TNT I headlined Fucking a couple of brilliant. weeks ago which was really good but um, I'm just trying to you know build things up really yeah. yeah so how did you get into comedy Sam interest well do you know what it's a very weird journey like a couple of years ago I was out travelling in Vietnam I was in Saigon uh, and there was um, I was living out there for a few months and there was a creative scene an expat scene out there yeah. and there's this American comic who's running these workshops and I decided to get involved in the workshop um, Do you want to shout his name? How, what's the name? Oh, the name? Uh, Ben Betterby. He's he's um, he's very big out in Southeast Asia, but he's. Um, That's what you want, isn't it? Uh, big in Asia. <laughs> big no, in South- he's, you know, he's, he's been there seven, eight years, and he's just uh, he was on like Vietnamese national TV talking about all that. So he's he's really good. He's a lovely guy, actually. Uh, yeah, that's his Facebook page, Ben Betterby. He does does a lot of stuff, but he was really good, uh, and we put on a showcase that. Um, this bar called uh, Yoko, which is great. It was a, it was a lovely oh, night. No. <laughs> oh no, yeah, exactly. I was waiting for the Beatles fun, but <laughs> but no, that, that, that was the first time I got up and performed, and I remember freezing when I got up there. And Ben was great. He came up on stage. Went, this was Mark's first time, and he was really getting the crowd on side. And it was like, I will whisper jokes into your ear. You can do it. Oh. But he was so lovely. And then I did the performance, and it went really well. But then when I got back to the UK, I waited a year until I started to perform again. And, and then I got into it. And yeah. What made you want to wait a year? Because I was like, oh, London's going to be so different to Vietnam. And like in terms of the act, I was like, I don't know, have a clue where to go from there. Because a lot of my set now is about my autism, but back then it was just, you know, jokes. And, and then I decided to do uh, these workshops at the City Academy, uh, pay for that. Did you do the Kate Smurfway one? Yeah, but Kate decided to... She pulled out last minute and someone called Tabs and Kelly to Ah, okay, because I did the exact same course as you Yeah, though. oh really? Yeah, yeah, I did the... Um, I did the... When Kate didn't pull out of my one. Oh, she actually yeah. did my one, bless yeah, her. Yeah, I know, I know. Like, I was like, really hoping Kate would do it. And I was like, oh, she didn't in the end. And then, but still, Tabs and Kelly, she was really good. Yeah, um, uh, Tamsin was the was the substitute teacher one time, for one week. Yeah, yeah, no. And she was great. Well, she has a drama background as yeah. well, so actually, um, for her, it was a lot of, again, a lot of, we did a lot of improv stuff as well, 
Um, so yeah, then we did the showcase at the Comedy Pub. Is that where you did yours? Um, we didn't. Well, the Comedy Pub pulled out the last minute, so we had to yeah. do it um, upstairs in the Leicester Square Theatre, I think, I believe. Yeah. So it was an. In- it was a. Yeah, it went well. Like yeah. to be honest. Yeah, I did seven minutes and. Oh yeah, that's the thing. They say five minutes, but then everyone we we was the same with us. We all did kind of over. Well, no, she actually said like do about to me and the others because a couple of because quite a few of the people had dropped out at the very last oh, second. Oh, so you needed to do longer. Yeah, oh, to make it God. last. Yeah. Oh, but oh, God. that was a really that was a really good crowd to do your first gig in front. Of. I think that was a really good crowd to do your first gig in front of. But yeah. Do you think the how do you think the comedy course helped you? Do you think it helped you in any way? Yeah, or no, do you but think... in terms of sort of joke writing techniques, because the problem was, like, uh, when I did stuff out in Vietnam, I was given the very basics. I knew the phone up yeah. to I did the sort of very basics out there, but uh, with this pay, you know, like, this was an expensive workshop, but we did, like, things like... A know, worth it expensive workshop, though. Yeah, no, worth, no, no, it was yeah. worth it, because <laughs> yeah. we did things about sort of the rule of three... Um, you probably know all these terms define expectations ah, tell me like, tell, tell me like it's all new you know, sorry tell me like it's all new yeah, exactly. tell me like it's all new but yeah no, we was just, it was just certain techniques that um, and actually I had this uh, from an MC once he said because like, I find this with all, he said this to me he said I find this with autistic comedians that you know the comedy rules so well like in terms of delivery and yeah. wanting to do jokes so he, 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 he said is that what you've learned I went yeah so when I was on the workshop I took that to heart yeah. you know again just waiting for the perfect pause for the punchline yeah. um, and the, and the callbacks things like that yeah so yeah who was the MC that told you that? Uh, that was he, he was running the Cuddles for Troubles. Oh! Sam? No. It's not Sam, no. Um, it's not Coffee and... It's not... No, uh, someone else. I'm not... I, I forget who It's it not is. Jack Wheeler, is it? No, but it's someone... Oh! Because that night, that night, me and Luke Poulter were on. Oh, because uh, he's autistic too. Yeah, yeah he's brilliant. Don't want to shout him out, but he is autistic, so... Yeah, I yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, 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 he, he plays on it. Yeah. And, like, he was... He actually closed my set. He closed the night when I did the autism hub because I knew I know how good he is as well, so he's very good at closing nights out. That was a fucking killer lineup, man. I saw it that you had um, yourself, uh, Harry Wright, Wright was on there, Luke Poulton, obviously. Yeah. Who else? Uh, later, later. Fuck, man. I'm, yeah. I'm doing a gig of him tonight, actually. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, I love gigging with Leighton, man. I want to try and get him on at some point, get him on this at some point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Off. So, well, I, well, hopefully, I'm going to be doing a, a podcast called The Autism Hour. Where I'm going to get. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's very much in the workings. It's very much in the very early stages. I'm just trying to organise it, but I'm hoping to get like all of them that perform that night. I know a new new autistic comedian that's doing this stuff. There's a lot of autistic comedians yeah. more than I thought. Oh actually. yeah, fuck. yeah. Well, the thing is, you can, I, yeah, there are because it's it's one of those things. Well, I uh, I don't know where I'm fucking going with this. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but, <laughs> but, but it's kind of like there's so many. Obviously, I don't want to like in case they don't want to say themselves. Or yeah, I know, I know. There are certain acts I've met that play on their autism in terms yeah. of their acts, and then there's acts I've met that I don't really want to shout them out. Them. Yeah, because he he this one act in particular, he's like I don't make a thing of being autistic but yeah. I, I am an autistic because comedian. they don't want to be known as the so and so the so and so comedian yeah yeah I was I don't mind being known uh, as that. I that's unique I, like. yeah. <laughs> I was um, I was speaking to someone the other night at um, uh, we are not uh, funny feckers funny feckers right? yeah I want yeah. to see that one oh do it 
fucking do it, man. Yeah. Like, and they were saying that they don't want to be defined, the comedian that's defined by their sexuality. So they don't yeah, really make was... a big thing about what sexuality they are. I mean, that's fair enough. Like, I remember, like, Harry Wright, when he, he always, like... Uh, he sent me this brilliant bio that just said, uh, I'm gay and I'm autistic, though no, I'm not the guy from Britain's Got Talent. <laughs> <laughs> uh, because that's the thing, I think, yeah. yeah Who's so, the gay autistic guy from Britain's Got Talent? Robert White. Uh, he's really good. I mean, I actually saw Robert a few years ago at Edinburgh just because I thought a guy with Asperger's did comedy, it's like, I have to go and see this. And he was brilliant. And then I saw him on TV do Britain's Got Talent, and I was just like, what? Like, and he was brilliant. He yeah. finished runner-up. He didn't win it, but it was like amazing. Amazing, actually. Britain's Got Talent. I never watched it, but the two finalists were A, two comedians, yeah. and B, two disabled comedians. So it yeah. was like, wow, that was incredible. So that's where I think I sort of, it almost got that inspiration from. I was like, well, if he can do it. Then you can do it too. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, that's I think, that's sort of gone full circle there. But yeah, that's... Yeah. Uh, so, coming away from comedy for a second, yeah. um, how do you how do you think your autism has affected you in a positive way throughout your years? Because you're like my age, aren't you? About 27, 28. 28, yeah. 28, uh, yes. Uh, I finally joined the 28 club. 28 club. Well, I'm going to be 29 this year. Man. Oh, man. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're all closer to 30 now, mate. Like, <laughs> we need to make something for ourselves. If the comedy doesn't work in two years, it's never going to happen. Yeah, I'm joking. No, I know, I know. <laughs> No, but it's, uh, so the autism, I think it's been really positive. I mean, it's been positive in terms of, I've been, A, I've been able to talk about it on stage. It's been quite cathartic for me. But also as well, like, if I want to do something with, with autism, it's kind of, you're obsessed. It is that obsession. When you have an obsession and you really follow it through, you get focused. You're very focused. Uh, but the downside to it, if things go wrong, if things change at the last minute, that can be quite hard to handle. Yeah. Um, it's, just, it's, it's very sort of, yeah, hit and miss. Uh, another problem is I overthink things, overanalyze social situations, uh, which can't help with like, things like anxiety. It doesn't really help with that, but it helps in a lot of, like, again, very focused. I'm very particular what I want to do. I'm very driven. So just things like that, really. And, uh, yeah. And also, I can take my experiences and share with other people. And that's why I really enjoyed doing the comedy workshops the other night. Because all these other autistic adults that were just like, oh my God, the fact that you're getting up and doing this is... I'm like, yeah, but you shouldn't let that stop you. And actually, being autistic, there's certain benefits of it. Again, it's like the memories of the, ru- the rules uh, behind comedy as well. I follow that to the team. And, we, yeah, it might be very structured and very... Uh, I said, uh, one of my old jokes, it used to be, um, an MC said to me once, Mark, your set's good, but it's a bit too predictable, it's a bit too structured. And I said, oh, it's a bit too, what, autistic? I like, remember seeing that yeah, for the first time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that, that is kind of my thing now. So, because I remember my act was like that, and I was like, well, no, I'm going to really call that out, as in, like, a positive thing. And, so, yeah, I think a lot of that, yeah, all those things have, um, been very positive for me and actually really helped me with my comedy and the comedy has actually helped with my confidence as well socially I can go up and talk to people I never used to be able to because the more you interact the more you're talking to complete strangers the more easy it is to go up afterwards and go oh you're right you know you chat after the gig and I find it's really helped me socially and confidence wise so actually autism has been good for the comedy and the comedy has been good for the autism so 
it's yeah, it's been a very positive experience. That's good, man. That's yeah. brilliant. I know I brought the comedy back in. Yeah. Uh, that's fine, man. That's all good. What about at school? Like, did you? I go was going up at school. No, it was a fucking nightmare. Yeah. To be honest. So oh, yeah. I talked about it on stage. I always say, you know, I got, I did actually get called retard a lot, um, and it was just fucking awful because I didn't. The thing is, I wasn't. I was smart. I was very good, but I wasn't socially. I was very unaware. Yeah. I, but I used to get in trouble a lot because they used to get like kids coming up to me, making me do stuff. I didn't. Because you didn't know any different. I didn't know any different. I thought that's how you fit in, that's how you make friends. And I got in a lot of trouble as a result. Uh, But last couple of years of school, I just ended up cracking on with my work and just not focusing on anything else. But I also started hanging out with more nerdy people. Yeah. that were people that were more got me, understood me, they weren't autistic themselves, but they were nerds, and I was like, okay, <laughs> this is my thing, I found my place. You found it, you found I, I, I know it's a stereotype, but these you are You found my, your flock. These, I found my flock, I know it's a stereotype, but they were very much into video games and sci-fi, which was, I was very much into, and I was like, yes, I found my people. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so school was quite hard for me, but um, sixth form I found easier, because yeah. I felt like you could be yourself, there's less judgment. Yeah. Do you know what, that's almost the same as I wasn't that socially outcasted but I agree that sixth form is often the place where you're just allowed to be yourself yeah absolutely like I didn't grow this hair until I was 16 years old in about a couple months into sixth form where I decided you know what I need to have a change I need to have what was your hairstyle before it was literally down to the scalp Literally down wow. to the sky. Yeah. So I used to, that. Well, I've got. I'll show you some pictures yeah, later. Show me some pictures. Yeah. Definitely, I want to um, see. Really interesting. Yeah. So 15-year-old me was like, yeah, a bit, very tall, very lanky. Um, I knew a lot of people, and I wasn't like, so, and I wasn't socially outcasted. But sixth form was where I, my wings grew. Yeah. And. It's glad to, it's happy, It's good to sit here that other people felt the exact same way. Yeah, I did. I felt like I could be myself, and it was great. Uh, you know, I got involved in a lot of drama and stuff. Yeah. Done stuff. He's also into oh, sociology, and that's when I became a little bit more sort of political in my views as well. But I found I was able to talk to people, and again, you could just, again, you could just be yourself. And because all the dickheads that were in school are weeded out, and they're not in yeah. sixth form. I'm not saying like all of them are, but like. It, I found that the people that were at six foot wanted to be there. Yeah. And that was the difference, you know, when you're at school you didn't want to be there. And also as well you had that freedom to sort of do what you want. Like you'd have periods where you were free where you could go and chill in the park like the corner, have a have a cup of beer yeah. if you wanted to. Like, no, you didn't but there was that freedom that was six foot that I didn't get. <laughs> yeah, no. Yes. Yeah, I've just been distracted by the dude that's just walked in with a lot, with a massive bottle of mouth. <laughs> like, look, look. Yeah, <laughs> Jesus. Look like that. Wow. Uh, I've lost my train of thought now. So six. Like, yeah. So six. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, it's a place where you can dress how you want to dress. You can do. Yeah. What the fuck you want to do? And I just found that, and I've, I've and I found I met a really good group of friends. Um, I mean, to be honest, I have to admit we were very much like the in betweeners in terms of we were trying to go out on the pool. All the yeah. Time. And it was 
it was kind of like that type of vibe and I mean I have to admit there's only one person from sixth form I'm still friends with and it's I'm not saying the others were horrible but they were nice for that time like yeah. they were good to go out and have a few drinks with but as you get older I don't know it's not like you get less friends but you get more sort of there's certain friends that you want to see more and there's certain you kind of weed each other out. Yes. You like, do. yeah, yeah. That's, I found that. That's, and I think a lot of young people don't really understand that that's just how life is. Your friends in school yeah. aren't always necessarily going to be your friends in adulthood. No. But the ones that are your friends in adulthood are the ones that can be with you for life. Well, I mean, there's perhaps maybe one friend I have from school that went to sick form, that went to. You know, he came out and visited me when I was out travelling in Vietnam. He's like my closest friend. He's yeah. a really lovely guy. But, um, yeah, but one person. And then all the rest of my friends I've either made through comedy, uh, through various other avenues for work. And, but that's, yeah, that's, you're right. That's how life is. And I don't think people realise that as well. Like, uh, after I left uni as well, it was the same thing. I had friends from uni that I was quite close with that I hardly see anymore. And I tried to make the effort, but... It comes to a point where you think, actually, sometimes you outgrow each other. Because I remember meeting up with an old school friend, and yeah, I we, we we it was nice, but we were like, yeah, we're very different. You see, me and my uni, me and my me and my uni mates, we make because we because we're in different parts of we're in different parts of England. A lot yeah, of them are that, yeah. well, a couple of well, one of them's in High Wycombe, the rest of them are in Leeds, right? Right. Yeah. So we kind of make it a three uh, once every three months. We'll meet up. In either oh, well, nice. either Highwick and more Leeds, yeah. and we'll go out on the piss together. That's really cool. That's really like, cool. and we every year we do this thing where we have a Christmas jumper night. Nice. Yeah. yeah so every. Oh my God, we we uh, we uh, with my brother. And, uh, oh, that's another thing with my old because I have two older brothers. Um, because they're so much older than me, now we're all adults. Wait, actually, Lee, wait, Lee's your twin brother, Lee's right? Lee's my twin brother, and then I've got two older brothers. Daniel, Daniel and Ryan. Daniel Ryan, and yeah. I saw the picture on Facebook. Yeah, we were yeah. in Sudbury, yeah, well, that was yeah. weird. We, went, we stayed in an abandoned windmill, and we just spent the night playing board games, po- and, and Wait, Sudbury, Sudbury is in that like, Sudbury? Suffolk, Suffolk. I thought you meant Sudbury Town in London, I was like, oh, no, no, really? No, no, no. Why no. would you go there? Yeah, no, 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 Suffolk, it was nice. So, uh, although, although, what was quite funny, uh, we were cycling certain places and the guy who owns the windmill he was like don't sound cool down that place it's a bit too Brexity and I was a like, bit too Brexity yeah 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 it was just like I was like oh no well let's do it anyway let's see what happens but no, did was, you go to the so you went to the Brexity place uh, no in the end we kind of uh, pushed it down why not man that'd be great material I should have done that but we actually also we made a point this weekend it was, we were, were not going to discuss politics we are not going to so are you and your brothers like different politically well, my oldest brother, Dan, he's very much a sort of a centrist dad. He's your, like, you know, the run-of-the-mill centrist dad. Really loved Tony Blair, doesn't like Corbyn, that sort of thing. Yeah, so we've had some interesting discussions. You see, I, didn't like, he, I don't like either of them. Yeah, exactly. Well, to be fair, I think it's coming to a point now where I don't like either of them. Like, Good, yeah. But I, I am, I've always been Labour. We've always, all of us, been Labour through and through. Like, that's, that's it. But, yeah, like, politically, it's interesting because we do differ, but we're all very much on the same line. Like yeah. we're more in common than separate so, so we're very I'm very close to my older brothers, that's another thing as well. I see them as mates. Uh, uh, yeah, we're very close, so yeah. That's good man, it's good to have a close family unit, especially when you're doing something like this. 
you're not going to be a footballer. That yeah. broke my heart, but I actually learned it taught me to take rejection. That's what you fucking need, though. A parent that tells you stuff like that. Yeah, right? she's like, Mark, you're not going to be a footballer. And I'm like, oh, mum. And I was in tears. And I was like... But that's why I very that very early on I've had my expectations are low with everything. Yeah. Like so if I do achieve something, it's an amazing thing. I got a degree, that's an amazing yeah. thing. I've lasted almost a year in comedy, that's an amazing, amazing thing. thing. Yeah. yeah, no it is, it is. It is amazing. I've done my first MC and I've I'm, you know, that's an amazing all these milestones, so now I don't put any expectations in things and I think that's the way to be. No. In my view anyway. Yeah, set yourself goals but be realistic and that's really Especially when you're a comedian as well, and his problem is, it's not it's not about being good or not. It's about how you. There's so many other factors how you network. Um, how I you, think it, I, I I sort of agree with you, but I think you that do need to be good. You yeah. do need to be good because yeah, yeah, I yeah. think the funny people and the unfunny people will be well, the unfunny people will be will be weeded out yeah. eventually. Eventually, so. Say that I've seen, I've seen some very unfunny comedians that still do gigs year after year, and I'm like. But where are they at though? That's the yeah, question. Yeah, exactly. Still doing five minutes. Five minutes at open mics, exactly. Mm. It's very, oh yeah, you do need to be good, but um, what I'm saying is you need more than that. As yeah. well, it's like acting. My older brother Ryan was an actor, and he gave it up because he was getting audition after audition. And in the end, it wasn't about his talent. It was about he couldn't network. He wasn't wasn't able to network in the way other what others were going to. I'll give you a perfect example. Um, a person in his year, um, their first audition outside of um, acting school. So yeah, I've been auditioned for a um, small HBO series. Oh, I probably won't be that big. Oh, I know where you're going. Game of <laughs> so basically, what's the face? Khaleesi was in his year of drama Shut school. Up, man. Yeah, he was. He was in classes oh, with her. Like they used to meet up for coffees. Yeah, yeah. And like obviously they don't chat anymore. But yeah, like. I wonder why. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I hear she's. I hear she. Well, I hear she's gonna be quite, quite free over the next few years. So, well, I'm um, saying that she's made more than enough to be like she gets paid like a million an episode or something. It's ridiculous. But that was her first audition outside drama school, and like Ryan had, Ryan did have auditions for Hollywood movies. He had the, the closest he came to a Hollywood role was Fast and Furious, and he got down to what the last fir- what, which one? Seven. Seven. Oh, okay, but still, it's yeah, like Hollywood. I fucking love them. I'm not shitting on that franchise. No, I, I, I defend, am shitting on it. But... I, no, I defend that franchise to the death, sir. That is, um, <laughs> it's, it defies all logic. It's like the Matrix minus any intelligence whatsoever. It's the but best the, thing. But yeah, that's that's. Um, that's basically like Ryan who's who always wanted to do theatre work but then he was like do you know what I'm just going to go for this but I'm not kidding because we have Italian heritage and he looks quite dark right yeah. and, and one of the roles was Mediterranean and they actually said to him we can't give you this because you're not Mediterranean enough you need to be darker basically and that was <laughs> the first time Hollywood's done that like, yeah. <laughs> do you know what I mean Imagine, you're not dark you're enough not, you're, not, you're too white for this you're too white you're yeah too Ryan was white. like oh shit so then Ryan gave that that was basically the final story was like do you know what? I'm never going to make it if that's what this is about that's kind of good though that they did that because it's for oh, me, no, that's, good, that's Hollywood actually. is sort of trying to wake up a little bit. Oh no, it was a good thing. In After terms of how many years of like whitewashing and stuff, they're kind I of. I mean, yeah, they're still a bit guilty of that, but I know what you mean. It was. Oh no, no, no. Vi, Vi was pleased for the other guy, but it was like, 
fucking annoyed. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, because it's just like, that was his closest. Because had he got that, that would have been it. Because well, you just need that one break. Because that's it, you know, the uh, Amelia Clark. Amelia Clark, yeah. Yesterday. The thing is, she's set up for life now. That's it. It doesn't matter what she does now. She's set up for life. Yeah. You could, yeah. Well, no, it's not like, it's not like, okay, she's not like on a small TV show. No. Or a small film, time film, where she, you know, has done very well. She's a big time HBO series. Her name is going to be on it. She'll get so many, she'll get offers coming out of her ears. So, I don't know, I, I do think that. I think she's set for life now. Yeah, possibly. Like, ho- hopefully. I mean, I don't wish her any ill, but I remember what, I watched um, Graham Norton the other night and Kit Harrington was on. Yeah, yeah. And, I, really um, like him. I like him too. But he had the look of someone who knew that the his regular paid job was ending. Ah, really? Yeah, so he definitely <laughs> came across as quite nervous and a bit like, okay, what am I going to do next? Oh, that's it. Okay, that because, is like, interesting. Th- because think about it, right? They have had a consistent job for eight years. It's yeah. a bit like the Harry Potter cast as well, isn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. So they've um, had a consistent job for eight years, right? And now that's ending. And they've been typecast in these kind of in these kind of roles, yeah. right? Look at the roles that Amelia Clark has had outside of Game of Thrones, right? She's had um, that term that one with the Terminator movie where she's played a badass, and I think she was in like one sort of romantic drama thing, right? right? Yeah. So. That's what Hollywood kind of. That's what Hollywood kind of sees her as. But then there's so many other um, white blonde actresses who maybe have a little bit. I'm not saying she's untalented, but maybe have a little bit more yeah, talent yeah, than yeah. her. But it's also and she's also said as well that she's sick of doing nude scenes. So like yeah. she wants to go in a different direction, but then she might not have a choice. So yeah, she has been interviewed about that. She said the one thing I'm sick of is doing nude scenes. Like, yeah. I don't mind it. It's fine, but it's like I don't want to be known for that. Yeah. Know, get my tits out that's what she said it's like, a bit like what we were saying earlier about the comedians not really wanting to be known as the so and so comedian well, so, so it's interesting I, I'm doing a oh, tomorrow I'm trying out a load of new material where are you doing it? Uh, Sam Rose Comedy Explosion oh uh, nice so I'm going to try out a load of new stuff then and actually I've I want to try and write a set that's not about my autism so I have that in the pipeline as well in case the autism stuff doesn't that's what I'm trying to do so it's going to be interesting I'm going to do a couple of jokes that uh, we'll see how it goes that's <laughs> but, yeah. it so what's your kind of writing process my writing process so I mean I think for me is when I did first did the showcase I had a solid type 5 and what I decided to then do to change up was slowly introduce new jokes into my set to the point where my whole set becomes different. That's how I do it. I don't go, I'm going to scrap this set right at new one. I'm going to go, I'm going to slowly add more jokes to my set. And it just evolves like that. And that's actually been quite a nice thing to do. So that's, I guess, my writing process in terms of adding new stuff. Um, also as well, anytime... Actually, I remember we did a gig at Comedy Virgins. And we did. 
One of the I, I got a joke from that because one, I wait, forget. was I before? Was I watch? Was I your bringer? Or, or was you were you were either you were might be bringing me or someone else. I was performing anyway, and we had that new comedian. We sat and had a conversation with. That's when we discussed the podcast. Oh, uh, I forget his name. I don't know what. His oh, name. the guy that lived around the corner. He yeah, was going to yeah, do his first gig. So uh, he said to me, he said to me, because I talked about my set to him, and he said to me, oh, you don't seem autistic, and because of that, I've made a whole. Oh, fucking joke out of that. Oh, that's the guy. Yeah, because he went, oh, you don't seem autistic. I'm like, oh, okay. Right. So I've got a whole set where I talk about, oh, I'm sorry. I'll tell you what, mate. Yeah. I'll be rocking in the corner back and forth, lining up my matchsticks. You know, we're not all like Rain Man. But that is yeah. that is kind of a flavour for I... So what I do when people say shit like that, yeah. or another gig, that's one of Sonny's gigs, someone said to me, um, I said, oh, I'm autistic. And someone yelled out, oh... Uh, and I was like, I'm autistic, I'm not three. But, like, <laughs> like, but that's the thing. That's where I get my jokes, a lot of the jokes. Because, again, it's weird. It, although my set's about challenging those stereotypes, I still get people making judgments yeah. all the fucking time. I'm like, well, it keeps my material going. But, but that's because it's been ingrained in them from such yes, a young age that autistic people are different to them. Yes. And that is why I wanted to do myself. Partly why I wanted to do the comedy was to put myself out there and go, I'm autistic, but it doesn't mean I'm like this. Yeah. So, yeah, I play on the certain stereotypes, like uh, trains and all that. I make a joke about that. But I like to challenge stereotypes, I do. And that's basically, yeah, a lot of my writing process is experiences. Like, that's what I found. And I found it easier. I found it. I used to find it really hard to write jokes. Now I don't find it as hard because I know the joke writing process, and I go right. I can, and every time I have a thought, now I write it down, and from that it blossoms into a joke. So, and I find it easier. The more I do joke writing, the easier it gets. I don't know if you find that. Yeah. So, have you seen that guy since? No, I haven't. <laughs> I really hope he sees my set because because I'm not sure he'll remember that. Because he didn't even see my set. I remember. I think he. He went out to go to the toilet and he missed my set. Yeah. Because I said, oh, my set's about my autism. And he was like, yeah, you don't seem autistic. And I just felt like really laying into it. Okay, what is your image of an autistic person, mate? Like, <laughs> I said, no, I, I, I know he was being right intention. I no, know he wow. wasn't being a dick about yeah, it. But yeah. I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, what, just because I'm not, I don't know, train spotted or just, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just because I'm not car counted at a casino, for fuck's sake. Like, do you know what I mean? It's that kind of Rain Man stereotype where it's that I'm not going to make eye contact with anyone or I'm not going to uh, I'm going to not talk to anyone I'm just not going to socially interact with anyone at all it's like it's that stereotype that still happens and I, that's why I do my comedy you know uh, but I always make a joke about it I'm like yeah you know so um, I'm socially awkward I don't maintain my eye contact so comedy's the perfect career for me yeah right? that's it but that's the thing that's kind of yeah yeah, I mean, I, and that's something I tend to go on the tangents to tell yeah. me to shut the fuck up. That's <laughs> no, fine. I love it because like, I love having people that like talk about that like will just talk for ages and ages about themselves. So I'm kind of lazy, so I literally have to, I literally just have to do. So fuck do fuck all. All. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's why you wanted me to come on. So Mark, you're doing the podcast. That's it. I'm literally doing nothing, Mark. I'm yeah. just sat here just chilling out. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. so. Have you done, well obviously you've done Vietnam, right? But have you got any plans to gig outside of London? Yes, I want to. So, well, again, uh, I think I said to you before the podcast, 
that I'm going to Edinburgh to watch a few shows this year, but I'm also going to get involved in some open mics if your night's going. Yeah. Uh, you said you're having a night. I'd love to do I've, five minutes there. If it, well, it's not an open mic night, but we can see if there's a five-minute slot for you to come on. I will ask the rest of them. Oh, that would be, be incredible. Just yeah. to, and so that, that would be my first time I've been to something outside London. But, yes. Yeah, so I'd like to, but also as well, I think it's uh, money-wise as well, it's yeah, expensive. It is. I'm finding it expensive just gigging in London because you have to eat, you have to eat out, uh, you buy drinks, even though, because you're buying drinks for your brilliance as well, that's another thing people don't think about, it costs you more money to perform than it does making it. Yeah, that's true. why. That's why when I'm with the autism hub, I'm like, look, can you cover my expenses? Because I knew they were a charity, I knew they had some cash. Yeah. Uh, so they did, which is really great they just emailed me now saying I'll cover my expenses and they're looking at paying for some workshops which is brilliant um, so technically that's my first paid gigs yeah. if you will but I find I find just gigging expensive anyway it's just because if you do it more you need to do it but then your bank balance looks pretty shit afterwards because yeah. you're going out a lot yeah. so actually the idea of gigging outside London is not just I'm scared of it it's like cost effective yeah. if it's buy the train ticket it's I'm a coach, man. I'm a, I swear by National Express, man. That's what I do. Because yeah. it's much cheaper. Like, you can get to places by, like, for, like 20 quid return. So, like, where do, you, where do you gig outside London? I've done one gig outside of London, uh, which is which was in Nottingham, like, a week and a bit ago. Oh, you told me, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man. It was, an inter- it was a great night because there was a hundred and something people in the audience, right? Adam Kumas was MCing. If you if you haven't seen Adam Kumas, do it. He's amazing, yeah, right? Yeah. And it was a killer lineup, right? I was not very good on that night. I'll be yeah. honest. Um, I was quite no- I was quite nervous. Yeah. I didn't time my set. Um, I didn't use the. I didn't. Um, I wasn't very powerful in my words, and it just didn't hit. I, I didn't die on my ass completely. It was like we, it was it was better. weak it was very weak laughter. So I kinda wish oh, that see, I, I, you know I always prefer no laughter to Exactly. Laughter. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. it's um, if you bomb you bomb. That's like, it. Like if you like, don't know whether they find you funny or not, that's the or the scattered laugh. Yeah. That's the worst one. That's, that's it. what happened to me on Friday at the castle. There was the scattered laugh. Yeah. Oh that's like there's a, have you seen the show Crashing? No. Okay, right. There's a quote from there, um, from who, uh, uh, from the person that runs the actual comedy cellar in New York. Okay. It does a cameo. It's a scripted TV show, which yeah, has yeah. a cameo in it, right? Yeah. And she says in the show, a strong bomb is better than a weak kill. That's interesting. It's true though. Yeah, because at least you know that joke doesn't work. Yeah, it's true. Oh, that's so fucking true, because what was the most annoying, because that's the thing, when I did my gig on Friday, it wasn't that I bombed, it was the fact that, as you said, it was the scattered laughter, it was the weak laughter, that's, yeah. that's what it was on Friday, yeah. and I I hate those gigs more than anything, because I bombed bombed, like I... I oh, haven't we all? I, yeah, like, I bombed at the um, the old dairy, I was trying out a load of new stuff there, and I just, again, I fell flat on my ass. Was that, the big, was that Big Nose? Big Nose, yeah, and David, David's great. That's he, fucking wonderful. He's fucking brilliant, like, because I've done these other ones, Two Tribes and um, the other one he does. Uh, Pugler. Pugler, yeah, yeah, they're, they're great gigs to do, but the old areas, again, the non-bringer, Sunday night, it's a bit of a difficult Ooh. one anyway. Ooh. And I just thought, well, this is the perfect time to throw loads of new stuff at people. 
Uh, but funnily enough, one of the other comedians really enjoyed my set. And I was just like, oh, okay, thanks. Like, I didn't expect that. But yeah, I got pretty much no laughter throughout. And I was like, oh, right. <laughs> no, but that's good in a way. Because at least you're like, okay, I know those jokes don't work. Then. That's it. Um, but there's also another rule that a comedian told me once. Um, it was actually that Ben Betterby out in Vietnam. He said, there's a rule of three. There's a, what's called kill your darlings. If yeah. a joke doesn't work for three, three, times, three times, get them out, get out. So yeah. actually, if a joke doesn't work once, try it again the next time. But you've got to try it in three different three, rooms. Three, three different, different rooms. rooms. So three different rooms. I think that's the one thing I'm guilty of. If a joke doesn't work, I won't try again. And I should. And that's the yeah. one thing I need to do. I that's need to it. go, actually... Because it can work, because one, but then again, one uh, thing, it could work for one audience, but then not another audience. But if, as long as it's got a consistent kill rate, then it should be fine. But I remember doing one joke for three gigs, and it worked at one, bombed at another, and got laughed at another. So that didn't so, really. So then that means the, pr- the, yeah. the premise works, yes. but it still needs a bit of work. Yeah, yeah. So that's what I got from it. But that's, that's what I think, the process I'm finding difficult at the moment as well it's like how do I know if a joke really works and really doesn't because again sometimes it could just be the audience sometimes but it's so hard to gauge that as well and I think it's about looking at the other acts and stuff That's, like that yeah so where do you like to come on in a comedy night where do you like to come on okay, the okay so I, it really does depend so I normally like coming on in the first half because I'm like almost get out of the way because I'm prepped for it I yeah. want to get out and do it um, but at the same time if the first half is weaker than the second half, it depends how the night goes. Because if the first, I remember being on fourth at a Rise of Star gig, um, and the first two act, first three acts, two of them completely bombed, and the energy in the room was shit. And I was like, I just knew it was going to be bad. Yeah. I knew, I, you know when you just know, you go up there, and I was like, okay, this didn't work at all. Yeah. Um, so actually, it just does depend what happened with the previous acts. Um, and then the second half was a lot better. And I yeah. thought, oh, if I'd got on in the second half, that so it does. It depends on the night and it depends yeah. on the acts. It really does. And the MC as well. And the MC, yes, the MC. Like um, after it closing uh, as the headline actor on Friday was yeah. really difficult because the energy in the room was. Just, Sonia was yeah. doing the best lesson to try and get the crowd going. Yeah. It's just not. Hi Sonia, Hi. <laughs> Hi Sonia. Yeah, no, she's brilliant. She's really good because I did a gig. She did a gig at Hoop and Ties. The MC then, and she put me on. Uh, and then she really liked my set. Yeah. And then she was like, Kitty, thank you so much for coming and doing the castle. And then she put me on at the end, which is great. It made me feel good about things. Yeah. It made you feel good to know that you're like a headline act. Yeah. But then when it doesn't go so well, like, oh, like yeah. But then afterwards, she was like, oh, thank you. She, she found my jokes funny. Yeah. yeah. So it was like, as long as the, if the MC finds your jokes funny, they're going to book you on again. Yeah. yeah. That's it. Uh, I, had, I had one the other day, man, where um, the first, I was. Fourth in, I was fourth in the lineup, and the three at well, at least two of the acts before me died complete, died almost completely, right? And the MC wasn't really caring, didn't really yeah, come across that. Like, yeah, 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 no names, obviously, no names. Yeah, no, but, we're not doing names. Yeah, but um, only if they're nice. Yeah, only if they're nice. Yeah, this this, this 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 this, dude, this person's really nice, but I don't want to say yeah. No, 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 no. Yeah, um, but. I kind of felt when it came to me because he, this person was just getting even when the atmosphere in the room was like completely at an all time low right he just bring the next act up without saying anything yeah. right and 
then I felt like I kind of had to do double duty during my spot well, during my spot so I had to sort of warm the crowd up sort of for the next act after me so but what I got out of that right is that the new opener that I tried right it works yeah because it got a sort of a laugh when the room was completely dead right yeah and so now I know I can bring that opener to other nights like I'm going to try tonight at the Cavendish Arms brilliant yeah, yeah, yeah. So, which, uh, which will mean nothing when this comes out just yeah, so you know yeah, but <laughs> but no but this is the thing isn't it it's like I remember doing a TNT set and being on like second to last and I was like oh my because it's a long night oh, TNT honey, yeah. it's a great night it's a long yeah. night Sonia bless you it's great it is fantastic night Sonia doesn't run it's Sama runs. It's Sama, Sama Sama yeah, yeah sorry yeah, Sonia doesn't run TNT Sama does um, I remember doing it second to last and it was just I was really worried dude it's going to be knackered but actually and also it's a challenge for you as a comedian yeah. to bring the energy back in the room and I managed that and I, yeah. felt, I felt good about myself afterwards I was able to do that well it's because they well I think it's quite good to go on um, either last or second to last if you're going to be in the second half right because you want to go either first in the second half or second or second to last or last because first you're opening you're opening the second half and there's still a bit of energy in the room yeah. second to last and last last the audience know they're going to be going home soon yes so although, although say actually no do you know I probably shouldn't say I'm not going to say it. so I, there was a particular thing that happened actually um, I won't mention the night it was on but basically tell me afterwards, tell you afterwards <laughs> but, so i tell you what I can say what happened without saying the night actually I don't know no I'll tell you afterwards because I don't think it's fair um, Just, can you explain the event that happened without mentioning any names? Well, that they, they might figure out. They'll figure it out, I think. Do I have I been on that this night before? Yeah, um, and basically the MC cut me off early because it was because it was getting late into the night, and that's what. Okay. I'll, I'll tell you more about it afterwards. But I, don't, I don't think they were doing it because it was bad. It was, it was going really well, but they cut me off early because it was it was getting late into the night. And, okay. Yeah. Fair enough. But still, I was so it was, it was just a case of overbooking, basically, sort of. Thing. Yeah, yeah, just overrun. That's what it was. So, and that's why sometimes I don't like going on towards the end because if it's overrunning, the MC's yeah. trying to wrap up. That's it. Yeah. So yeah, I don't blame the MC for that. But fucking annoying because it's the first time I've seen it in a, an extended set so. oh shit yeah. okay yeah. alright yeah. okay fair yeah. enough um, so what's been your what's been your best gig my be- oh my god I've got a couple actually I've got so TNT absolutely yeah has been amazing for me uh, the hoop and tie with Sonia did that was really good well that was really good because I forgot some of my jokes but that was the first time I was ad-libbing 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 you can't even do that ad-libbing and just winging it that yeah. was the first time I found myself in a situation where I was just winging it and, and I got material out that and people laughed and I was like brilliant and, and well I, I guess my best best gig was Comedy Virgins it's my 18th gig when I won Woo! the open mic um, that little golden that little golden trophy you know what? it's a little golden trophy but it makes me feel fucking good I'm no, like that is my goal at the minute is to get to the clap off. Like, forget the trophy for now, just get to the clap off. See, I, I can I can get to the clap off now with those gigs, but I remember um, 
Yeah, that was something that I was I brought for you, wasn't it? The lot. Yeah, oh the yeah, because when, when they paired the marks off together, were you at that gig? When they paired the marks off together, I'm not sure if you were. You might not have been there. Maybe. Well, basically, we there was three marks on that night, including myself, and they paired and they clapped off the marks. So no, I, knew, I wasn't there for that so, night. So there was like two other marks on, and I knew the two other marks were better than me, and well, they slightly. Ah, oh, was it Mark Stringle? Was he one of them? <laughs> Yes, he was. I was bringing for Mark Stringer on that, and I was bringing for Mark Stringer on that night. Are you that, sure? Because um, I'm sure, no, so I'm sure someone else was bringing for Mark Stringer. It was I brought for Mark Stringer at the cab before. Yeah, sorry, I completely cut yeah, you yeah, off. Yeah. No, 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 it's fine. It's fine. So um, yeah, but I, so I, I love I love doing comedy versions because I always get a, a, a good reception there anyway. But. Um, and again, yeah, TNT, Hoop and Toys are lovely gigs, mm. I see that more. Um, yeah, so they're my, I see the three top gigs. Uh, Comedy Virgins, TNT, and uh, Hoop and Toys. Amazing. I love doing those gigs. Alright, you don't have to mention them, don't mention the names of these gigs, right? But what's been <laughs> your worst gig so far? Don't mention the names of the promoters, but like, just explain why it was your worst gig. Uh, it was why it was my worst gig was because I because the other acts didn't do very well I didn't do very well it was just and also you know you, quite, you don't have that really dry throat oh, and I forgot fuck, to bring yeah. water with me I was yeah, like and yeah. so I was just coughing as well and it's just it didn't flow and you know when you first when you when you don't open with a laugh yeah that it's or, really then hard to pick up with the, pick up the audience um, and the thing is, that was the same type of night, um, but two different venues. You can probably guess what one it was, but it was it just didn't go very well both nights. And the part of the reason as well, I don't think the MCs were doing a good job at lift. It's similar to your situation okay. where the MCs didn't lift, lift the uh, room up, yeah, lift the room up when they should have done. Um, but then I, but then it's hard to always just. Because I think it was a bit of everything. I did do the Vegan Delivery. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the other acts were great. The whole night was great. Um, oh, no, no, no. One of them, the second half was really good, but I was on in the first. Ah. So that's when I was just like, because I think the MC saw the first half wasn't good and decided to pick up in the second half. I'm like, why couldn't you do that? Because <laughs> like, I would have really appreciated that, mate. But like, come on, it was, man. It was just a really, it was just not good. And... Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, yeah, that, that, that would be my last gig. Okay, um, this is going to be a bit awkward, okay, this is the bit where everyone, every guest I have on finds a bit awkward, but I kind of like it anyway, right? Go on then. Alright, this is um, constructive criticism, where you tell me, from watching my act, what I need to do to improve. Oh, okay, problem is I haven't seen your act in a... From what you remember. Oh. From what you remember, I don't know. I think this is good. Uh, I think. Oh yeah, because you were at the Rise of Star competition. Yeah, right? I was. Uh, so I think with the when you were doing the um, Lilk stuff. Yeah. I think you overdid it a little bit with those jokes. I think you did too many of those jokes. I've cut the. Li- I've cut. A sizable port. I've listened to that and I've cut a sizable yeah. portion. Okay, so you of, know. Yeah, that, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So I think I think it was a I think it's a good premise, but I think yeah, I think it's too. So yeah. Um, okay, so. What about with me? What about perfor- well, hold on a second. What about performance-wise, though? Not just joint tone. Okay, okay. Performance-wise, I think. I think when something is a bit. I think sometimes. When when you're talking about something that's really bizarre, like I don't know, you talk about the kids being totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, have a bit more energy when you deliver that. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's good. That's actually really good, thank you. Right. I enjoy doing this because a lot of people will say, Oh, you did such a good set, it was fine, it was a good set when I know in my heart it wasn't as great as people are saying, right? I'm the open, well at an open, well at, at the end of a gig. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. I actually can't I, th- I think if you know the comedians as well it helps because um, I've had I, I've seen comedians die but I, I don't really know them so I feel sorry for them and they're looking a bit down and yeah. I'm like I just kind of want to pack them like, up. They say like, good yeah. set, good set. I was like, no, it wasn't. Because they'll know all the things. I, I know sometimes I've done well and they haven't. They're like, oh, that's a good set. And I'm like, yeah, yours was too, but only yeah. because they've or it's been the other way around. My set wasn't very good, but yeah. theirs was. But they do the same with me. Like, oh, yeah, good yeah. set. I'm like, I know it wasn't. Like, I kind of question when people do that to me, though, when, they, when I've done better than them and they come up to me and say oh good set are they expecting me to are they they fishing for a compliment yeah I know I know I so I just say thanks man I appreciate it but then if I did enjoy if I did genuinely enjoy their set despite them not doing well I'm too that's the one thing I'm too bloody nice so uh, I was just uh you see, I'm I'm not that. I'm but very, no, 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 I am, I am, and it's only because you've invited me to uh, criticise you that I constructed pictures and that I'll do it. Um, but the thing is, it was like my friend uh, at a gig I did on Friday. She gave me some really interesting feedback, and she's one of those friends that's very honest. Yeah. Because often your friends would be like, "Oh, it was great," but she was like, "Sometimes, Mark, you move too much when you're doing your gig, and sometimes you need to be more." Planted. Yeah. Um, which I thought, oh, okay, no one's no one said that to me before, but actually I take that on board. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because you can have presence without moving around, can't you? Oh yeah, God. Yeah. And sometimes I do find I move around, but I think that's the kind of sudden nervousness. Yeah. But then there's certain jokes where I have to move around. But yeah. Yeah. I think as you're asking about my, what I say about you, um, I'd probably say that probably don't move around as much just be a bit more comfortable within yourself when you're on stage it's yeah. something that I struggle with sometimes as well especially when I'm doing new stuff as it is yeah. as it is fucking it can be fucking terrifying what we're doing isn't it like, yeah no, and also I find when the joke doesn't land yeah I tend to I tend to move around more when the gig's not going well yeah if the gig's going well I'll be more confident I'll just be like yeah yeah um I think the criticism that I gave you before, um, I think you start to learn. I think you start to learn from that as well. Like, remember when you did the Cavernous Arms and I was your bring up, right? Yeah. And um, we we were talking about your set after afterwards, and I think I said to you, okay, you kind of need to decide what you are going for, right? What do you want? Do you want them to be applauding you because they believe because they agree with you politically, or do you want them to actually laugh? Then you need to decide about what you wanted to what you wanted to do, and I think yeah. that you sort of decided that you want people to laugh yeah, instead of applaud at your political opinions, because yeah, I think that's I think those are the main the main yeah, things. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and 
today part of the reason why I did that is partly looking at gigging outside of London because my political points that I do in my set if I kept those if I did that outside of London that would fall flat yeah. because politically it might be different it's actually uh, a guy emceeing the TNT night he's an Essex comedian and he's been emceeing for a while I forget his name he's, he's a lovely bloke but he said to me if you're gigging out in Essex and you're doing some political stuff especially Brexit stuff you, you need to uh you know, either try and pit, pitch it to both, yeah. or be objective in your in the way you're doing your set. Yeah. If you come across as too too um, late, um, too, too uh, the other way, yeah, exactly. Then it can go really badly, and that was really interesting because he said actually, you London comedians will find when you do can't do gigs outside of London, yeah, you won't get the same rapport you it, do. It is a it's a bubble. Anyway, like, yeah, people don't understand, right, that you can be London funny. You can be London funny, right? However, you step outside of London, it's a whole different world out there, my friend. It's a whole different world, as I now know all too well. Yeah. It's a very, very different world. And um, it's good to gig outside of London or to do gigs in London which aren't too politically charged, I guess. Yeah. Because that way you can get, like... You can burst the London bubble, essentially, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah, I, I know, I think that's really important, but I think, again, that is, I think I'm at that point where I'm doing all these London venues and they go, well, the one gig I want to do before I then sort of move on is Funny Feckers, because I've applied to do that uh, twice and it's always sold out, so I'm going to apply uh, this time. Um, oh, the, he, do it, you, I think you may have missed the boat because he sent the email out a couple of days ago and that just died. Yeah. Shut sorry, you. sorry. No, 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 I know. So is that for the May one? Yeah, for May. Yeah. Okay, so that's fine. I'm look, I've been looking at doing June anyway. Yeah. But I need to do that soon. Do you know what I can potentially do then? I can like try and... Um, when I get... Because I'm on my emails a lot, like all the time. So... If I get the email, I can like send you. Please, a, not, please yeah. do, because I get so many, and I just forget. And I, and I, I I'm following the Feckers page, and yeah. but I just, I follow. Probably is the reason why when you follow so many pages, it's hard. To He's bringing it up. Um, Wes is bringing that up to Edinburgh, though. He's bringing it up to Edinburgh, so there'll be you can apply to do it whilst you're at Edinburgh as well. So what I might do then, I might apply to do, say, something in June, and then, because that's another thing, I need to start booking stuff for June and July now, so that it's solid, because when it comes to that, August is going to be pretty dead. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that's why, and that's why, in a way, I'm going to Edinburgh, because I know I'm not going to be gigging, but then when I am in Edinburgh... Have you, have you got places booked? Have you, um, what time, when are you going out to Edinburgh? Uh, so I'm going between the 12th and the 19th of august yeah, okay so it's, it's gonna be for a week with a couple of my friends where are you going i'm doing the full run man i'm doing from the first of august until the 26th to the 26th of august you're gonna be so broke oh, oh. <laughs> no but it's great you're doing that well, the thing is, I, I, I kind of realize that so what i'm doing is i'm um i'm moving back in with my parents in june to save yeah. mark to save more money um Thankfully, they have decided to go halves on my accommodation, which is really, really helpful. That's so it's really just, good. it's, and I know it's set them back quite a bit, but I think what I think the reason that they may have done it is because I never, I very rarely ask for anything. Oh no, I'm saying with my mum. So I'm still living at home, but I, I give a little bit. Of that yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that's it. So yeah, um, no, I never. I'm right. like you. Yeah. So 
because I never ask for anything, I feel like that they feel like it's okay that they can occasionally, once every so often, give me some, give me something like that. Because I'm the one, I think I'm the one child that never ever asks for money, never ever asked to, is uh, yeah, who never ever asked for anything to help out, anything to help. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's. But yeah, but you did the full one. Oh, I really hope it goes well. Man, really oh, so do I. <laughs> so do I, man. So, so, you're, so the night you're going to be doing is you're going to be uh, what doing an extended set and bring it up. Twenty action. minutes. We're doing three twenty minutes. Well, so it's three of us, man. There's uh, myself, Duffy Connors, and Charlene Jahan. Okay. Um, our show is called the Ticked Boxes because we are basically we tick every single box that there is on the uh, on the job application the um, well, 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 the additional the additional well, information job application. If you, if you get a five minute doing an autistic guy, that's disabled. Yeah, no, well, <laughs> yeah, man. Um, yeah, but I really hope that goes well. Yes. Like, uh, so do I have paid money to do this? <laughs> well, to be, I mean, to be honest, like. Um, I'd, I'd love to do five minutes there, but also as well, I'll just come and see you night one of those anyway. Like, fuck it. Um, um, we've we've got a, a the room. It said sixty seater on the website. It's actually one hundred and twenty seater. But it's wow. at a really good time. It's, it's at a really good What's time. Six forty-five. That's what, a good slot. Yeah. That's a really good slot. So, because it's not like it's not the, the graveyard shift. It's not the graveyard. It's not the graveyard shift. Because I, I I've gone to gigs at like one in the morning. And oh, I, like, I want to do a graveyard shift gig though. I want to try it. I, I think it's yeah. No, I remember seeing one comedian who apparently is normally meant to be quite good, Russell Hicks. But yeah, he's meant to be fantastic. But no, when I went to the graveyard shift, it was fucking terrible. Oh. Uh, but partly because I think everyone was drunk, but also felt like he wasn't. He wasn't in the mood. You can tell. And that. One a- yeah. Well, who can be in the mood at one a.m.? This is why I'm just like. Uh, right, yeah. But then I've been to a really great night where uh, they all do. There's comedians play uh, video games. Um, at three a.m. and he's just literally. You're, you're was in the that mood. Edinburgh? Yeah, that was that Bouncy Labyrinth. And it was really good fun. That was a guy, he doesn't do gigs anymore, it was Chris Coltrane, he used okay. to do uh, political stuff, but he also used to do video game stuff, where he'd get a couple of other comedians, they play like Super Mario or something, um, and then at three in the morning, you just watch him play there, then they get you up and see, but it was really good fun, because they take the piss, have a laugh, everyone's a bit drunk, and it was actually really nice. <laughs> So it's a bit different as well. So, yeah, I, oh, I love Edinburgh for that. It's like, different I think what I want to try and do is because um, obviously I've got the 20 minute set, but I will be obviously trying to build towards maybe an hour within the next year. So I want yeah. to. So what I want to do is I would like to get obviously my Edinburgh show, but I'm going to try and get on as many open mics and other people's compilation shows as I possibly can whilst promoting my own thing. Um, also, yeah, I mean, we'll talk about this a bit more after, but if you could let me know any good places to do tents, because that's where... In Edinburgh? No, not just Edinburgh, I like anyway. Oh, Healing. I, I can tell you on here. I can tell you on here, it's fine. Really? Healing. Oh. Healing will... Um, Rudy will... Yeah, because I've done about time. two gigs there. Yeah. Give ask, him yeah, ask him. If you give him enough time and ask him. Yeah. Um, well, obviously, TNT, Salma will give you a 10, won't she? Uh, she actually gives seven, so I did seven. my first seven. Oh, seven, okay. Um, so I've done my first seven. Um, do you do um, Happy Laugh Craft? No. Have you done, okay. Uh, so what I'm doing now, I'm going to be doing a new one, uh, Monty's. Oh, uh, oh, such a good night. Yeah. I've done that so many, I've done that uh, like two or three times. Actually, two I, times might need, I might need you to bring me for that. When is it? It's this. 
I'm doing the two, uh, seventh of... Dude, the seventh of May, yeah. Um, hold on, hold on. Seventh of May. I'm there, I'm doing seven minutes. At Monty's, man, sorry. So I'm going to start doing... So that's the thing, that's why I like that game, because you can either do five, seven, or ten. Yeah. And I said to him, I'm looking to build into a seven or ten. He said, okay, so I'm going to give you a five this time round. Yeah. And then I'm doing one in two, so I'm going to get to I'm doing... Yeah, I... Um... But you're doing a seven minute. I'm doing a seven oh, minute. Could, could, okay, then I'm doing GMB the next night. GMB. Uh, let me have oh, a look, buddy. Night. Let me have a look. On the eighth, I'm free. So yeah, I'm putting that in the calendar, man. I'm putting that in the yeah, calendar. Yeah. yeah. Be, uh, G and B. Well, I think that would be good because um, I need to actually just. I need to. Um, I need to try and get myself on that night anyway so it'll be good to never no so i uh, have you been to that gig never so i i was a bringer for that gig and it's such a lovely night carl is a really lovely mc as well jmv um, okay and so i'm really really pumped to be performing that night because i think it's gonna be a good guy he's a he's a lovely guy he's a really nice guy um, so yeah i'll get that's, that's so fantastic. sorted. That's sorted, man. That that's is fantastic. Yeah. Okay. Cool. All right. So let's get into the meat and two veg of why we're here. I was really well. I was wondering when you're gonna bring it. When up. was I gonna bring up the the cross-dressed elephant in the room? <laughs> oh. I mean, okay. I'm gonna. So, be, I watched two episodes. Ah, uh, did you? I ain't gonna lie. And all right. Let's, so let's, let's talk about it for a second. Like, um, we talk. Um, the sitcom we're gonna be talking about for oh, the yeah, next sorry, yeah. ten to fifteen minutes here. Is um, Mrs. Brown's boys the hit yeah. from the hit BBC the hit BBC the sitcom. award winner the award is, winner is Mrs. Brown's boys I don't know how but yeah okay so um, so obviously it stars Brendan O'Carroll as yes. um, the titular character Mrs. Brown yeah um, and it stars his sons as well yeah. so it's basically it's a family affair this whole this and you thing. can tell as well really <laughs> all right so. Because I remember, because I remember. Let, let's give a bit of story, backstory to this, because we had this conversation, and you were like, "I get people to review like sitcoms they quite like," but because I, re- I remember coming yeah. out on Mrs. Brown's boys, and you said, "Okay, Mark, I tell you, what, you watch it, and then I'll get you on my podcast, so you can then see if you still hate it after you watch it." Okay. And, uh, so yeah, I do still hate it. Okay, so <laughs> let's go into why you don't like the show. First okay, so, of all. so actually, first of all, I didn't. I didn't hate as much as I thought I would. I think so. And do you know what? I'll, I'll say some of the good points of it. Yeah. There are some good points. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I actually like the fact that because um, there are moments in it where they keep the mistakes. Yes. Um, and I actually really like that because I remember watching a few sitcoms as a live audience member anyway, and I and I love seeing the process of it. Actually. What have you seen? Like, uh, two pints of lager. Oh, yeah, that that's really... kind of, that's sort of in the same vein as Mrs. Brown's Boys. I feel to like to an extent, but like, okay, there's there's obviously differences, but yeah, um, yeah, and that was really nice to see that process. That's why I quite like. There's a bit of human side to it. That's yeah. what I quite like. But all centricity. It doesn't seem very. Me- it's not very mechanical. No, and I quite liked that. I pretty much introduced it like that anyway. And he was like, I'm a man in the dress, and he yeah. pointed it out. And do you know what? I quite liked that element of it. Um, I also quite liked a couple of the gags that I found like hilarious. Which one did you watch, Sam? Interest. So I watched the first two of the first two of the first series. Really? Okay. Um, but not because I didn't want to carry on watching it, because time wise, after me, yeah. I, didn't, I didn't manage to sit down. 
I think you can kind of get everything that you need to get yeah, from like one or from one or two episodes. So like there was a joke I really liked in there where she was sitting down with her friend or he was and she, was, uh, she, 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 she was sitting down with a friend and she was like oh yeah um, I did like oh I, yeah and her friend was like I hated when you uh, when you said to my husband he had a scar on his willy and she was like oh but your husband did have a scar on it. I didn't say your husband had a uh, scar on his willy I said it felt like he had a scar on his willy and I just thought that timing and it was just she timed it better he did the joke better yeah. but I really liked that because it was there was some really good setup to really oh yeah jokes. there is there is there's, there's one or two I liked now the things I didn't like I mean I'm not a fan of padding to the camera anyway uh, that's why I don't like Miranda. Um, so like the um, yeah, um, the, break, the break in the fourth wall. The break in the fourth wall. I think it. I think when they're doing when they were going between the set, that was quite nice. Yeah. Where she was like, oh, I forgot my. He was like, I forgot my handbag, and he ran across to the other. That was quite funny. But the constant pads to the camera, I'm not a fan of it anyway. And that's why you know I, I want to watch Fleabag, but Fleabag is a very the pad into the camera but then I've heard really good things about it so I need to watch that but anyway I don't like that I find it a bit too cringe worthy um, I can understand I understand I, 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 but I only find that works for instance when it's not a sitcom and it's say a mockumentary like The Office where David yeah. Brent Ricky Gervais looks at the camera but that's for comedic purposes because he it's a documentary but he's making it really obvious that it's not yeah uh yeah, or like he's he's playing to the camera, and he's the guy from the office, the manager that's playing to the camera. Whereas she's padding to the camera because that's part of the sitcom, and it just well, feels he's padding to the camera. To yeah. the camera. Um, and I just felt that was a bit. Uh, and also, some of the jokes were way too obvious, like the ongoing joke about his son being gay. Yeah. I just find like. Ireland passed gay marriage two years ago. It's not a big deal being gay anymore. Like, but was, I think that's part of the thing, though, because she's still quite an old-timey cat. She's still quite old-timey, yeah, so I think she's yeah, still get, stuck in her old ways, isn't she? I, I get that, but I think the whole, oh, the obvious son is gay sort of thing. And also, there was other obvious jokes anyway. Like, I could read from... You know when you can read from a mile away? Yeah. Like, and there, was a, there was a joke where um, he... Um, uh, her daughter was his daughter was waiting for um vocal from her boyfriend. Yeah. And and like she was going and uh, Mrs. Brown was going on about talking about having dirty conversations over the phone yeah. and it was almost set up in yeah. a way uh, talking about rubbing men's willies on the there's a lot of dick jokes in it as well. Yeah. So, uh, and then and then the phone rings and she talked and she starts dirty talking to this man, Oh yeah, I'm gonna use your dick as a Ferris wheel sort of thing. And it was that it, that's not the exact line but that was the joke. Yeah. And it turned out, oh it was her daughter's boyfriend, oh yeah. you're a boy mixture <laughs> and it was like it was obvious, you knew what was gonna happen. Yeah. And then there was a salesman at the door that she thought was her daughter's boyfriend and it turned out to be salesman. That was obvious. It's all it's all very carry on, isn't it? It's all it's all very carry on, but it's all very the jokes are I can see it from a mile away. Yeah. And I but do you think that could be because you write jokes? Do you know what? Maybe if I'd watched this before I started doing yeah. that, maybe. But then I can I've seen sitcoms where the jokes maybe aren't as obvious and they still work. Yeah. Uh, and also as well, I feel like the stopping and starting with the camera, I don't feel like it flows very well. Whereas yeah. previous sitcoms, like, I used to really love like uh, my family, and I used to really love um, my hero. You know, the, yes, um, what? Bef- yeah. Um, 
I used to love that. Sh- I used to love that because, show. Because, well. because also as well, he's got they both got. Before James Dreyfus took it over, no offense to James Dreyfus, but I'm not handling. Well, he is. He is George. I'm sorry. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, it was. And Janet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it was they. They were so. It was so well cast as well, and you can tell. Also, you can tell they were decent actors because also, they, I mean, the acting just appalling in this bad voice. Yes, it's a sitcom, and yes, you need to give leeway for a bit of corny acting. But I just felt like it was too very much like a family just having a laugh. And as I, much as that yeah. could appeal to people, yeah. for me it didn't. But also, I feel well. I really like the show. I don't watch it religiously. Yeah. Um, I think the I think the main reason I enjoy the show is because I've got a lot of I've had a, I've met a lot of people who are just like Mrs. Brown, who are sort of just like Mrs. Brown. Yeah. So I can sort of relate to that, and I can not exactly relate to her, but like um, she's a character that I've had in my life for quite a, well in and out of my life for quite a oh, long time oh, oh yeah like well, do you know it's just really interesting because Brendan O'Carroll actually so I used to date someone from Dublin and Brendan O'Carroll grew up in the same town as she did as my ex and uh, just a town just off of Dublin and, but she was like, like basically she was saying most Irish people can't stand Mrs. Mrs. Brown's voice it's it because I was like oh why is that said, oh because it's Brendan Carroll it's just the worst of every sort of stereotype and it's just like yes there are characters sort of like that but it's too like it's it's too exaggerated like it's too ridiculous yeah basically which it's interesting for even from an Irish person's point of view that's what I found yeah so that's why I was a bit like okay am I gonna even like this and when I start don't get me wrong there are some good jokes in it but I think some of it is all very much too set up and I think it's too much having a laugh like you can have a laugh being off camera and but I think it's too much like that I think it feels like a family vote the show like I didn't know that I didn't know that was her his actual son yeah his, yeah, his now, son's in it yeah now just... I know that makes more sense but it just, it just feels too laid back for me and I just felt like you need to be somewhat professional and I didn't think there was any of that and I just felt like oh, you know yeah and you know what for some people that's great but like for me it wasn't like honestly I was worried it was going to be the sort of thing I would switch off after 10 minutes. I didn't. I sat through it. I actually, so I found it funny and I thought I would, but I couldn't. <laughs> so you're not a com- you're not a Mrs. Brown's no, convert. No, I, I would rather watch while we use a Brexit then. <laughs> <laughs> than Mrs. Brown's one. That's less painful. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if I was to give it a start out of 10, it would be like four and a half. Four and a half? That's more than most reviewers would give it, to be fair. Like, because I think there is some good jokes in it, and I think he does write some good jokes, but I felt, uh, yeah, no, too obvious. It's set up to way too obvious mm. for me. I think my, what I quite like about it is also something that I can criticise it for is that it's written as if it's a theatre play or a stand-up show, right? Yeah. But I don't think that always comes... I don't think that translates as well as it should onto the TV onto the TV screen. Yeah. Like, for example, I, as I said, I like the show, so I've been sort of, like, diplomatic, but I think, for me, it would probably work better as a stage play than it would and that's a TV they, show they, they did take it on tour didn't they yeah they, I think yeah. they're still doing it I think they've got the Mrs. Brown's Boys musical we should all, we should go fuck it let's go to it you know what I'd be, I'd be up for it because I'd be interested to see, see how if it, I would find it yeah. funnier on stage 
because again, as I said, when I've sat in live audiences, sitcoms, when things go wrong, I think that's hilarious. Yeah. I think it's brilliant. Like the cast, but also as well, I, I think the main thing is I think the acting is actually atrocious. I do. I do. no, because with sitcoms, I know you need a bit of leeway. But the reason I liked the older sitcoms back in the day was because you had stellar actors. Yeah. You had proper actors yeah. in it. Like the guy, I forget the guy's name, the guy who played Nick in my family. Ah, uh, Chris, Mar- Chris Marshall. Chris Marshall. Is With a K. Yeah. Because when he left the my family cast and went downhill, I thought... I don't... Ah, I, is it, ah, ah I, I, I mean, yeah, there was a... Nick, I mean, he's still was got a bit of want to make it incredible. Yeah, yeah, there was a there was a Nick-shaped hole. It was. But I watched a couple of episodes recently I was like oh this is still good this is still actually very good yeah and I, I think for me I think maybe maybe I'm comparing it too much to the past but because uh, the thing is I I really like sitcoms of maybe the late 90s early yeah. 2000s I really love that period was when I think they were the best sitcoms and I think it's becoming I think sitcoms are becoming worse like lowest common denominator I honestly do yeah I like Miranda Mrs. Brown's Boy. I've never watched Miranda yeah no I, I, I've watched one episode on a Friday night and sat there and um, apparently Modern Family is meant to be quite good Modern Family is very good it goes through yeah, like little my father's watching it yeah it goes through stages where it can get a bit of rote but yeah. on the whole it's re- uh, I don't want to use the word progr- actually no it is it is quite progressive because it shows pe- it shows one family from very different backgrounds politically and ethnically yeah. and obviously sexuality wise as well and it shows that we can this, um, whether you're cons- whether you're uh, right leaning whether you're gay straight whatever you can still come together and, and enjoy that enjoy. but that's what makes a good sitcom but also as well there wasn't so many I think it's easier for sitcoms back then there wasn't so many political issues to be around with yeah uh, it was just about family dynamics a lot of it was just about the character dynamics um, because I also felt like with Mrs. Bowsboys because they were his sons I felt like they didn't have to try very hard no and I think there's I think there's a laziness in that actually yeah I and, agree uh, and, uh, and I think he's made Artemis made a lot of money. He's, uh, like, you can't, you cannot fault the man. He has, like, he's found oh, he's a gold mine it. and he has mined well, we, it. Do you know he what, do you know what? Is. And this is why when I uh, criticise it, and when so many people do, it's like, well, it's popular. It's one of all, he's making money, why would you stop? Yeah. It's like, have you ever watched Extras? I have not, but I need to. So that's another thing, because the second series is about... Uh, Ricky Gervais' character Andy Milman writing a sitcom and he wants it to be this quite out there sitcom but it ends up being a Mrs. Brown's Boys type show where because he didn't even want a laughter track and then it yep. ended the laughter track it was called um, When the Whistle Blows yeah. or something and it was, but what's really interesting is the process of writing a sitcom yeah. and what the BBC were asking him to do and oh but this is lowest common denominator yeah. but that's what's popular yeah. and the whole time it's about him wrangling with yeah. uh, popularity versus actual decent yeah. writing like uh, Family Guy did a similar thing um, a yeah. few like quite a few seasons back because I used to really like Family so Guy I, I, like, I love Family Guy I know but yeah, now I, I think not so much yeah, I agree. But in this in this instance, right, um, in this episode, Brian got hired by CBS to write a crime drama, to write a crime drama, yeah. right? And um, 
it went from being a crime drama to being a sitcom about a girl having to move in with her dad in co- a dad yeah. having to move yeah. in with her with his younger daughter in college and there's a monkey and there's a laugh track yeah and uh, this is what the second series of X's is about and this is why it's really interesting and because it's Ricky Gervais's take on actually this is what happens when you write a show and this is what especially with the BBC now sometimes they water it down to the point where you're not proud of making that show yeah, um, I mean he's probably I mean maybe you know Brendan O'Carroll probably set out to write it like that and if he did great fair play to him but in terms of integrity I think that's been lost in a lot of sitcoms because you can have sitcoms with integrity like Father Ted one of the greatest sitcoms you can't recreate Father Ted no you can't but no but then I think there is there can be scope for that yeah and I, I would love to see a sitcom that is our generation well no I think Father Ted was but like all the generation Z's Father yeah. Ted because we're millennials yeah um, we are uh, or, our, or our version of 40 Towers or our version of, so 40 Towers got voted best uh, sitcom of all time and there's a reason for that because some piece is a literary genius he is yeah he's not just a comedian he's an actor as well yeah and that's the thing the problem with the friend of the Karen Mrs. Brownsville he is a stand up comedian he's, he's not, not an actor and yeah. they're not I mean, some of them are, but they're not really actors, really. So that was the problem I had with it. There's no, there's no skill. There's skill with the comedy, with the stand-up lines. Yeah. And as you said, it can work better live on stage, but there is no skill in the acting. There's so, no skill in the yeah. yeah. So I'd be very interested to go and watch the Mrs. Brown's Boys musical to yeah. see how it pans out on stage. Yes. But because we know what the TV show is like are we going would we be going into it expecting it to have some fuck ups yeah maybe and then that would lose the element of surprise I guess but I don't know I think as you said it worked better on stage and I think there'd be and because he is a stand up comedian I think that's why I think when you're doing it to a live audience and then put it on TV it just looks a bit cat cabbed so and I think you made a very interesting point I might enjoy it on stage but sitting there watching I was like yeah nah there's no skill there was skill in the jokes but it wasn't skill in the actual making of the thing and that's a thing and I think that is that's why I didn't like it I I quite liked it because I quite like it because it is a mess but I can see why other people don't like it because it's a mess and I was like not for you. Not for me, but there you That's go. I gave me a go. I gave me a go. That's, you know? it, man. That's all I asked. <laughs> That's all you asked. You gave me a go. All right, Mr. Berkman, man. Like, um, we we, yeah, we've done a lot, man. We've done, we've, we've done it all, man. Um, there there's only one now. thing you, we haven't done yet. Um, where can they see you? Where can people find you? Okay, so I have a, oh, well, in terms of when I'm doing my gigs. Let's do social media first. Social then. media, uh, so social media, I have a Facebook page, Mark Berkwood, Stand Up Comedian, or just add me on Facebook, it's fine. Um, Instagram, Mark Berkwood, all lowercase, you'll find me on there. I'm very simple, I don't have a stage name, so yeah, I'm just, yeah, um, And then follow me on Twitter, although I'm using Twitter less now, I'm finding Instagram much yeah. better. But, yeah. uh, but at Berkwood Mark, um, capital B, capital N, that's my social media handle. Uh, my next gigs, I'm doing a open mic on Wednesday, Sam Rose Comedy Explosion. 
I hear that's great. I hear that's really good. Yeah, yeah. I'll forget what the name of the venue is called. Sidebar's coming in. It's in Dalston. It's in Dalston. It's the Dalston venue, but the details are on my page. Yeah. Uh, so you can find me on there. And, and I'm gigging. Obviously, the fun. Oh, yeah. Then May. I, but then May, I can do. Yeah, so what have you, what have you got in May? May, so far, I've got three gigs in a row. First time I've done three gigs in a oh, row. Oh, man. You're free night. You're free night, man. Oh, that's going to be a killer. But that's uh, Comedy by Bo. I'm doing that on the Monday. Okay. Six, Mr. Mark O'Neill. Good Mark O'Neill, uh, 6th of May, Tuesday, 7th of May, mm. it will be the uh, Montes. Montes. Uh, right, which is where well, we're, we're on the same, we'll be on the same, the same bill. bill. So, yeah, yeah, you can promote that too. Yeah. We'll be on the same bill. And then third night, G&B. Oh, Carl Wallace, man. Carl Wallace, there's two venues for it, but I'll share with Is it Arch One or is it. Um, I think it's Arch that's right. Ah, okay. Well, but right. then I'll, uh, it's all it's all on details on my Facebook. So just follow me and yeah, yeah come to my gigs. That's nah, sweet, Mark. Man, Mark, it's been a fucking pleasure, man. Yeah, Thank you for having me on. No really worries, man. Yeah, all right, yeah. see you later, guys. Bye. Guys, I hope you enjoyed listening to that as much as I enjoyed recording it. And I just love speaking to Mark Bergman. He's just so open and so honest. And I hope you guys really got that from the interview. Um, yeah, so that's it from me, guys. Um, as I said, check out the comedy dates, um, both me and Mark. Um, we're actually at um, we're actually at Monty's Bar together on may the 7th so get yourselves down to that to see both of us in action um so yeah um till next time guys um see you then bye